The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network and our fine family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 20 Asian countries, and now in Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. That's toll-free at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. My email address is one eight. Uh, my email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our websites. For those of you who are using the Exxon Apple iPod, it's www.exxonradiotv.com. And uh, the, our regular site is www.exxonradio.com. But you can also watch, listen, and chat with the Exxon Nation at www.exxonetv.com. On tonight's show, Amy Crowell will be joining me in a few minutes. We're going to be talking about her new book called Loved Back to Life. Hour number two, Miss Bonnie comes on, and she's going to tell us how we can get ready for Friday, which is 8-8-0-8. Tara Green in hour number three doing tarot card readings for one and all who give us a call at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five, And then in hour number four, Cal Korf, live from the beautiful city of Prague in the Czech Republic. Let me see. On this day, well, what do we have on this day? Okay, first of all, it was on this date in, eight, in 1181, a supernova was observed by Chinese and Japanese astronomers. Now, amazingly, at the same time, they both yelled, look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's a supernova. Thus the name. In 1890, the electric chair was used for the first time. The prisoner actually thought he was just sitting down for a massage. Boy, was he in for a shock. Uh, that same day in 1890, Cy Young won his first professional baseball game and went, to, went on to win 510 more. In 1985, baseball players walked off the field. And um, while baseball fans called it a strike, football fans thought it was a ball. Get it? Okay, I'll let that one go by. Let me see. Today is Soleil Moon Fry, better known as Punky Brewster's birthday. She turns 32. Jerry Hollywell, otherwise known as Ginger Spice, turns 36 today. And Peter Bonrez, Jerry the Dentist on the old Newhart Show, turns 70. And by the way, this month is 
August. So there you go. Just a little bit of information for you here at the X-Zone. Once again, our toll-free number is one 877 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 877 We've got a grand show lined up for you tonight. As I said, Amy Crowell will be with us. We're going to be talking to her when we come back from this commercial break about her book entitled Loved Back to Life. Miss Bonnie in hour number two, Tara Green in hour number three, and Cal Korf, live from the Czech Republic. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. Now, I'm going to be off a t- uh, Friday. We're going to be playing the best of. Batman has made his selection, and we're going to slip it into the schedule because, you know, Batman's a great guy. He kind of... Uh, he kind of does a lot of things for us here at the Exxon, and if I can make him happy by playing somebody who does tonal healing, it's the very least I can do for the guy who does so much for us. By the way, at ExxonRadioTV.com, some of the top... Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, our toll-free number is one 528 8255 My guest this hour is Amy A.J. Crowell. She is the author of Loved Back to Life and is an alcoholism, drug addiction, and recovery expert. She has been in long-term recovery since 1988 and is committed to educating everyone about compulsive behaviors and addictions. Her personal experience reveals how anyone can rise above destructive behaviors and triumphantly survive. She believes it is often imperative for another suffering from addictions to speak to someone who has had the same experience. 
Learning from others who are confronted by the same out-of-control behaviors is one of the keys to finding a new direction. And Amy, welcome to the X-Zone. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, I love the, I love the title of your book, Love Back to Life. Thank you. Thank is, you. That's actually how I felt at the time. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. And I can, I can tell by your book and I can tell by the, the, the media that you're getting that you've touched a lot of hearts in a very special way. I hope so. You know, I think this being honest and, and opening up and letting people know that there is hope when you when you are addicted is, is a big is a big deal. Because when I when I was first in um, the getting out of the addiction and yeah. in recovery, I didn't even know that the things that are available for help existed. I had no idea, and I want people to know that there is help out there. Now, you say you have been in a long-term recovery for 20 years. Now, can you explain what that means? Well, I, I'm really an alcoholic and, and an addict, and I have not had a drink or a drug since 1988, like you said. Good and you. long-term recovery for me is being part of a recovery support group, you know, 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them out there, um, you know, for everything. Actually, I mean, they have them for gambling. They have them for um, overeating, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. They have all kinds of different 12-step programs for people addicted, and I'm in a recovery group like that. And that recovery group is what made me completely change my viewpoint and about myself and about life and everything and and begin and learn actually how to live because I didn't know how to live without alcohol and drugs. Hmm. So you began abusing alcohol and drugs at a very young age, didn't you? And uh, Absolutely. Didn't, didn't your parents mm-hmm. didn't your parents catch on? No, because where I when I grew up, my family had alcoholism. My father was an alcoholic. My grandparents were alcoholics. My uncle was alcoholic. So being in that environment, you know, you think it's the norm. You think everybody does that, and th- that's what I thought. And you know, my parents thought that because that's how they were raised, also. And as a result, it, it you didn't think anything was was strange about it at all. I mean, in, you know, from a very young age, at like five, you know, I was allowed to have little glass, little shot glasses of beer. And um, the, the funniest part of the whole thing is every night before I went to bed, I was able to, like, we had a little party. You could have an ice cream or cookie or something. And my favorite <laughs> was vanilla ice cream with cream de mint poured over the top of it. Green cream de mint, I bet. Cream de mint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we, yeah. Used to go to my, we used to go to my uncle's, and that's what he'd give us at dessert. Exactly. Yeah, and know. I love that. I'd have that a lot. <laughs> so, you know, if you have that addicted behavior and, and it runs in your mm-hmm. family, your chances of becoming an addict are, are much greater than somebody who doesn't have that. Now, now, did, did you think as a teenager that you may have had a problem with alcohol or drugs, or did you think it was the norm? No, I really thought it was the norm. I really did. Um, like, you know, people who are addicted to alcohol and drugs, we surround ourselves with other people who do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's the norm in all our areas, in our friendships, in our household. Uh, we don't want to be around people who don't use and drink because then it's no fun. You know, for us, that's what we think. What were some of the effects of abusing alcohol and drugs that uh, you first started noticing? Well, for me, I got very, very thin. Um, my drug of choice was uh, cocaine, mm-hmm. and I had a serious problem with um, eating and lost a whole lot of weight and got very, very ill that way. Um, and it, it it was 
also I ended up that at the same time when all this cocaine was happening and I was going through my bottom, I also got very sick and got a parasite in my upper intestine. Oh my so gosh. it, it, yeah, I know it was it was not a good a good sign, you know. But I used the parasite as my excuse for being sick and didn't want to admit that it was also the cocaine that was making me so ill. I understand that several of your friends died in uh, drunk driving accidents in a very short period of time. Did you ever stop and think it could happen to you? You know, it, it's amazing because, you know, even kids today, we, we think we're instructable. Kid, you know, when I was a kid, I thought I was instructable. I, I did not think that that kind of thing would happen to me. It was happening to everyone around me on my graduation night. Three of my friends died on my graduation night uh, from high school. and. You know, you'd think that it would register. And, you know, it's, it's wild looking back now after, you know, being clean and sober for so long and thinking, how could I ever not have realized, you know, that this was this exact same thing could happen to me? And you just don't. When you are in the disease and you're in the addiction, you just don't, you don't think it's going to happen to you. Mm. So, so how did you beat it? How did I beat it? Yeah. Uh, well... I, it, it's sort of a funny story because the, the, I was living with a, a gentleman who sold drugs, so he was a drug dealer, and he came home one day, and he looked at me, and he said, we got to get you help. He said, you're going to die if we don't get you help. And he took me to treatment. So my drug dealer took me to treatment and dropped me off. And, you know, you know you're in trouble when you're behind the doors of treatment and the drug dealer leaves, you know. <laughs> you know you're in trouble. And that's pretty much how I ended up getting help. And when I was in treatment, they started taking me to the support group meetings and the 12-step programs. And that's what, what got me through and what helped me change. And it was a process. It's not something that happens overnight. You know, I had to change a lot in my life, everything in my life. And that was a process for me. I have to ask you, what was going through your mind when you have four friends die in a drunk driving accident in such a short period of time? You know, I, I, it, that, I was so saddened by it that being an, an alcoholic, mm -hmm. I wanted to drink more, and that's what I did. I, was, I, I didn't want to feel the pain, and I, I went ahead and, and just drank and used drugs more. Um, as, as a matter of fact, right after my one friend in college um, died in a drunk driving accident, I was in a horrendous car accident that um, when I was driving. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ran head-on into a tree going extremely fast. And I, somehow or another, we, uh, the uh, kid with me and I woke up on the, on the side of the road, and we were, at, we were fine. In the car, there was nothing left of the car. Unreal. I mean, amazing. It's 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 sad to look back and and think that we were actually driving like that, but we were. How did your alcoholism and uh, drug addiction progress through college? You know, looking back, was oh, it a, was it was it a blur? It really, you know, it's funny because the one of the effects that the alcoholism and, uh, and drug addiction has did have on me is that I do not have good memory at all. And looking back through college, I remember certain events and everything, mm -hmm. but literally, I mean, I was drinking constantly. I was a little sister to a fraternity, and, you know, uh, back then, I mean... I, Fraternities was all about drinking, you know, I mean, especially the one I was in. 
And so once again, I surrounded myself with a bunch of people who drank and used drugs just like I did. So I was very comfortable. But looking back, I can see how quickly it progressed in just a matter of two to three years. You know, I went from never using cocaine to using cocaine every single day, like within two years. That is unbelievable. Yeah. How much was it costing you, and where were you getting the money? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. Well, see, I lived with the different drug dealers. I was I call my, myself this, the serial drug dealer lady. I lived with the drug dealers. So I lived here for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and then I go on to a different drug dealer and live with him for a couple of years. So I was able to get the drugs for nothing because I was living with the drug dealers. Oh, I think that's how a lot of the women end up doing it, even though we were in college and things like that. And it's not like, you know, I was living on the streets or something. Mm -hmm. it's, even though I was doing the same pattern as the people on the streets were doing to get their drugs. I was just living with the guys. And I think that's how a lot of women get it. Was there a specific point you remember looking back on where you knew that you had a serious problem? Like, what was it that, that rang the bell? I, I mean, you know, besides the boyfriend driving you to, the, to get help, right. there, there must have been some signs, some bells, some flags going on in you. Well, you know, the first time that I really realized it was one of my friends from college had moved, moved back to Dallas, where I'm from, and um, we were going out every single night, and we were, we were partying every single night, and she also had an eating disorder, mm -hmm. And she ended up, she got very, very ill and was put in treatment for her eating disorder and her alcohol and drug usage. But um, that was the first time that I actually sat there and thought to myself, oh, my God, something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I felt the, the, the feelings inside, I can't even describe it because it's, I was so completely depressed. And I just felt like a huge black hole was inside of me. And, and, you know, I had no self-worth and uh, no self-confidence and just I was miserable. I was completely miserable. And it was about that time when I knew that something had to change. And actually, I was just hoping that i go to sleep and not wake up is really what I was hoping. Well, I'm glad you went to sleep and you did wake up. Because yeah, I know, it, me too. <laughs> now you know, I like, am. At the time, I wasn't. <laughs> how, did, how did you get through college? You know, it... it <laughs> Being an obsessive, compulsive addict, mm -hmm. I studied like you wouldn't believe. I would sit there and I would study with my drugs and my, my alcohol. And then, you know, my drugs were always uppers. So I was up all night studying. And I study, 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 study. And that's how I got through. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think that you would, um, did you ever think that you were going to be um, writing a book and helping people? Oh, God, no. Oh, no, no, no. And when, you know, especially first in recovery for the first, you know, several years, you know, it, it's very, very difficult. At least it was for me. Um, you know, I had to change my beliefs about so many different things. First of all, about myself. And I never imagined that I would ever be as happy and, and have the kind of life I have today because I had never experienced happiness. I had never truly felt love, happiness, peace. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know those feelings to know what I was missing. All right, stand by, my dear friend. You and I have to take a commercial break in the news. Amy Crowell is our special guest. Her website is www.lovedbacktolife.com. 
We'll be back on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues right here on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Amy Crowell is our special guest. Her website is www.lovedbacktolife.com. Amy, what was the process you went through at the beginning of your sobriety? Well, first of all, when you, when you go into recovery, you have to completely detox Mm -hmm. and and that was very you know it depends because each person is so different and it was difficult for me because um, I was so thin and I was so depressed that um, you know getting the drugs out of my system just sort of complicated it even more but um, once I'm in there and once you start getting detox you do start feeling physically better and you're able to eat and and um and those kind of things and it, it's sort of wild because the first year i was sober i actually grew like an inch two inches in height an inch and a half or so in height and it, you know the doctors we all laughed about it but you know i started drinking at such a young age that i was drinking all the way through my teenage years and my puberty so it wasn't surprising that my body actually started growing and developing where it never had a chance to before. Hmm. Hmm? So, so tell me, what had to change within you for you to um, be alcohol and drug-free for so you long? You know, ev- everything, <laughs> literally. You know, I went in, um, I, I believe that one of the reasons is that I, I do stay sober every day mm-hmm. is that I do not want to go back to where I came from. I do not want to have those feelings I, I had. I felt like I was going to um, explode. I felt like I was just, um, I felt like I had so much built up inside of me that I was just going to spontaneously combust. And I never, ever want to go through what I went through in rehab. And, and I hope I never forget those feelings. But, um, you know, it, over time, you, I had to learn to completely change my thoughts. 
you know, I never had any self-worth. I didn't have any self-confidence. And I had to learn that through my recovery group. I had to learn to rely on um, higher powers and, and people and trust people. And I had to learn completely everything how, like, a, a regular person mm-hmm. learns to live because I had never had the basic structure of that. What kind of changes did you go through physiologically when you were, you know, going from an alcoholic and addicted to cocaine to being a straight person? Was it hard? It was. It was very hard. It really was. Um, trying to the obsessions, you know, for the alcohol and the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something that everybody has to deal with when they're first, you know, getting getting clean and sober. But you learn to to put in its place um, going to meetings and reading the um, literature and doing community service work. You learn to get out of yourself instead of concentrating on yourself. And, one, and once you get out of yourself and, and start helping and doing other things and filling your life with other things, positive things, then the obsession slowly goes away. At least for me it did. Now, I understand you're very involved with Inner City at, youth, mm-hmm. at, at Risk Youth. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I love it. Um, I taught for six years down in uh, Inner City, Dallas, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's an amazing experience. The kids, you know, the kids are uh, completely different than how I grew up, and um, very, uh, they will experiment with anything. You know, when it comes to drugs, when it, household products, um, the new drug right now is cheese. And uh, it, it, it's very prevalent in Dallas, but it really hasn't hit very much of the rest of the country yet. It will. But what they're doing is they're mixing heroin and Tylenol PM. Wow. And, yes, and, and being two depressants, what's happening is it's, they, they look like they've passed out at a party, mm-hmm. but what's happened is their lungs have shut down. And then they they just go to sleep and don't wake up. Mm. Haven't there been two deaths in Dallas in the last two years with uh, cheese? There's been two dozen. Two Mm -hmm. dozen? Two dozen deaths in the last two years with this um, new drug. One of the problems with it is it's extremely inexpensive. It's like $2 for a little bump, as they call it, you know, one usage, and um, $10 for a gram. Okay? I mean, that's unheard of. And so it's very cheap. And they're, um, you know, I hate to say this, but the, the drug dealers are, are marketers, let me tell you. They are uh, flavoring the drug with grape and strawberry and everything. So the younger kids think it's some sort of a candy or something. They have no idea it's heroin. And, um, you know, so it's, it's a serious situation. The child who died at our school was 14 years old. God bless them. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the top ten places teens are hiding their drugs? <laughs> you know, it is amazing because the kids did. The kids helped me out with this one at school, and I had no idea. Well, you know, nowadays with all the electronic devices and everything, mm-hmm. okay, they they're hiding them inside the computers. They lift up the outside shell, and they're putting them on the inside of the computers and putting the shell back down. I would never have thought of that. We didn't even have computers back when I was using. So, all right, give you know, all the kids laptops. Amazing. They can't pull that off then if they have a laptop, can they? Yeah. There you <laughs> no. go. Most of them don't have laptops, especially where I'm teaching. They're lucky to have a computer at home. Really, yeah. But anything electronic, I mean, it, it, it's pretty amazing on the back of keyboards. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the other place that the girls hide them, and this is pretty amazing, in their purse, they will hide them. They'll take uh, a tampon, mm-hmm. and they'll take everything out of the tube and then put the drugs in the tube and put it back in the package in oh, their gosh. purse. Mm-hmm. Amazing, isn't it? All right, so that's two. Let's go eight more. Okay. We have... The, uh, they, they hide them in their calculators. That's another place because what they do is they pop out the batteries and they um, they put the I know and then they have little you know the little there's little tiny little packages and they pop yep. out the batteries and they put them in there. Telephones the same thing. They take out their cell phone, but you know and you don't think that little battery in the cell phones can take up a lot of space, but if it's anything that's a powder material, that's a lot. That'll hold a lot back there. What's the average um, age of a of a user? In in uh, school now. Well, it, it it does go up as they go um, start in the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. But it's sad. The statistics are that the majority of the kids have experimented with some um, illegal drug at some time in high school, which well, is hard. Which is really hard to believe. Still, what turns the child on to drugs? Is it peer pressure? I think a lot of it is. I think a lot of it is what's at home. Um, I think a lot of it is peer pressure. You know, for me, it sort of was a natural factor coming from an alcoholic household. Being an alcoholic um, at a young age, my next step was using drugs. I mean, that was just, I hate to say it, but it was a natural progression for what I was in. Um, And I think that people who don't have that at home and don't have that progression, that, yes, it is peer pressure. I think a lot of it is. Like that one child who died who was uh, 14 here in Dallas, it really was his first time he had ever used that kind of drug, that he had ever taken cheese. What can a parent look for in a child if they suspect the child is taking drugs? You know, I, I always say try, no matter how hard it is, sometimes to keep that communication open and try to talk as much as possible to a child because even if you don't expect them to be using drugs, you can at least know if their behaviors change, if they change friends, if their grades start going down, if they start losing weight, mood swings, uh, dizziness, anything like that. And if you are close enough and have an open communication with your child, you will begin recognizing that there could be something wrong. So you're able to, to catch it. What can the schools do to crack down on drugs? You know, the schools, at the school I'm at, they are actually doing a lot. They have, every year they have um, Red Ribbon Week in October. All the schools across the country are actually supposed to have it. And they educate the kids during that week about drugs and alcohol. I personally think it should be something that they're discussed more in health class as they get older so that they understand what happens exactly to their bodies, um, what can happen um, to, when they're using illegal drugs to their brain, you know, all that. I think all that should be discussed in, in health class a lot more than it is. Psychology, they offer psychology now in high school. It should be um, talked about there. It actually, it, it, they're doing pretty good in, in Dallas about discussing more and more of, uh, you know, don't drive drunk and, and um, you know, explaining about what cheese is. So if somebody does encounter it, they understand not to, not to use it. So they're, they're trying. They're also trying to educate the parents, you know, after schools and things like that. But sadly, a lot of parents don't go to that meeting. You know, they have the attitude that my kid's not doing it.
So the ostrich syndrome. Yeah. Keep your head in the ground. You don't have to see anything then. That's it. When a child is is on drugs, how hard is it to get them off? It varies. Each person's an individual, so it completely varies. But you know, if they are ready to quit using and they realize that they have a problem mm-hmm. and they admit it to themselves, then anything's possible. I've seen people get um, clean and sober at a very young age. I know a girl who got sober at um, 16 years old and she's 30 years old now. She's still in uh, recovery support groups and speaks at a lot of different places. So it's possible. You just have to know that, you know, you are the one with the problem. You know, it's not everybody else around you. It's you, and you have to to want it to get sober. And unless you have that and the parent and, and the kid has that, the parents can't say anything to get them sober. Do you think the uh, drug laws are strict enough, or should they be stricter? You know, it, it's difficult because... You know, they're doing the best they can, but, oh, my God, they have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing the best they can, but, you know, they're they're pretty strict right now. But, you know, it's so much of the drugs are coming in illegally from, from Mexico and, and the different countries and everything. I would just wish that they'd be able to stop stop it more in the in the big bulks because it is coming in in big bulks, and it's just not happening right now. Something's missing, and, of course, I don't have the answer for that. I was watching a news item on CNN this morning where uh, just uh, on the other side of the Mexican border, they are finding um, marijuana grows in in public parks, in, in public areas. You know, and and, and the and uh, the raid that they did that was on TV was they estimated forty million dollars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it it doesn't surprise me. They just did that here in Dallas, down uh, down around the area where I teach. Actually, they found this huge field down there, out in the middle of nowhere, that was completely, you know, all pot plants that were being cultivated, and it was the same situation, millions of dollars, you know. But it was out in the middle of nowhere, and nobody, somebody, you know, knocked them out, and they got caught. So we got mad and told on them. Yeah, there's all, it's there's amazing. Always, there's always been the discussion about whether or not they should legalize marijuana. What's your stance on that? You know, it's it's a rough one because being an addict, mm-hmm. I, you know, I believe marijuana is um, a, a drug that is, is depressing and um, does cause harm, and and people are unmotivated when they smoke it on a regular basis, and, be, and that just becomes part of their life. So, you know, I do think it should be illegal, but at the same time, so many people are using it that, you know, maybe it should be taxed, you know? I mean, I see both sides. It's a difficult difficult choice there. Now, I understand that teens are getting a buzz from everyday household products these days. Yes, this is scary because you talk about something parents just would never Mm -hmm. expect, okay? Um, they're, they're getting high off just things laying around the house, like pledge furniture polish. Um, you can get high other, off pledge? Yes. Anything like that that's a spray deodorant, they actually inhale the fumes by putting the bag over their head and putting it in there, and then the fumes, the toxic fumes, they're getting high from. Mm-hmm. No it's, absolutely, my, it, it's amazing. No wonder my wife likes dusting so much. <laughs> 
Well, you know, if you find a bunch of pledge laying yeah. around in a kid's room, I doubt if they're cleaning, okay? That might be a hint there. <laughs> what, what else can parents look for as far as household uh, solvents that are being well, used? One, one of the worst things right now that is um, just catching on, as a matter of fact, the kids uh, at um, school had been talking about this, um, the dust-offs. I don't know if you're familiar with dust-offs, but they come in cans, and, they have, and then you attach a little straw, and it's for your computers. It, like, dusts off your computers. Yeah. It sprays a little air yes. and dusts off your computers. Well, that has, like, a Freon in it, right? And it's it's some type of a, you know, coolant. And the kids think it's, like, uh, just compressed air. So they're inhaling it through the straw, and it is freezing their lungs, and they're dying instantly from it. I mean, they're, they're found with the straws in their mouth and their eyes open. It's, it's the saddest thing. And they, as I said, they think it's, it's compressed air and that it's not a problem. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, I went to the store the other day and was looking for a can and found that they had, um, the kids had opened all the cans that were out. All right, stand by. Were, yeah, there were several of them. Okay, stand by. We've got to take our final break. We'll be back on the other side as the Exxon continues right here on the Talk Star Radio Network with our very special guest, Amy Crowell. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul-balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world.
Controls, our special guest. Her website is www.lovedbacktolife. That's www.lovedbacktolife.com. First of all, Amy, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a, an enlightening uh, hour. Been great, thank you. And I, you've got to tell me about your motorcycle therapy. Started riding motorcycles when I first got sober. So I started riding when I was about 25, and I'm 45 now. And I ride all the time. I have a hot pink motorcycle, and it's got pink LED lights, so it glows hot pink at night. And I ride all the time with a group of sober people. What kind of bike do you have? It's a Honda that's been customized. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Now, now, what are some of the program support groups and information that parents and kids who who want to kick the habit can actually go to? The best places to do is you can go on the Internet or you can look in your yellow pages, and you can look for groups that um, anything 12-step related is what I recommend, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. Now, if you have a drug problem, you can still go to AA. A lot of people don't realize that, okay? It's for both. It's for drugs and uh, drug addicts and alcoholics. Um, then anything, if, if somebody has an overeating uh, um, problem, they have Overeaters Anonymous, they have Gamblers Anonymous, they have uh, Nicotine Anonymous, anything to do with 12-step programs is what I highly recommend. Why is the 12-step program so successful? You know, I think it's because there's people there have already experienced what the person is going through when they're getting sober. And even though I believe in therapists and I believe in psychiatrists, I think they're very, very important, especially for a lot of alcoholics because so many of us suffer from other things such as me as depression. Um, and I was also a rager. I had a very serious problem with anger. So I needed extra help. But the programs, when you're around people who are going through the same thing and can guide you in the right direction, it's a completely different feeling. It, it, it makes you you learn through them. Their experience. I, I think it's definitely necessary. Their experience is your best teacher. Absolutely, no question. Amy, uh, what other projects are you working on? Well, right now I'm going to be um, working for the Association of Persons Affected by Addictions here in Dallas. And I'm really excited because I'm going to start working for them in the next month or so. And we uh, do, we help a lot of the people who are in the transitional stage. Uh, we work with a lot of the homeless people, getting them into um, housing, recoveries. They have We have GED programs, educating the community on uh, alcoholism, drug abuse. So I'm really excited about that. Amy, I want to thank you very much for joining us. And if there's anything we could ever do here for you at the Exo and to help you with your, with your, um, with the great work that you do, don't hesitate to contact us. Oh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself now. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Amy Crowell, www.lovedbacktolife.com. If you know somebody who is an addict and they need help, or if you are a parent and you suspect that your child is abusing drugs. Contact your doctor, contact your school, contact any of the great organizations on the Internet. Help is available. All you have to do is say, I need help. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, Miss Bonnie is going to be joining us. She's going to tell us about the strange yet wondrous events that are, according to her, going to happen on Friday, 8808, August the 8th, 2008. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on Talkstar.